freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to our number two of episode 120 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, our theme today is place the oxygen mask on yourself first. And, of course, we've all heard that as we're flying the friendly skies. And it got me to thinking about, you know, well, you know, we're asked in our self-protection anywhere else to just call the police or just let the professionals handle it. But yet our uh, friendly skies tell us they understand the importance of speed, of time, that time is of the essence. And so they ask you to protect yourself first, and then you are able to protect those around you. I thought it was a very interesting metaphor, one to, to think about for a while. We're in travel season here in the summer, and uh, just wanted to share that with you. Well, our next guest is sitting right here in studio with us, our friend Jeff Fine. Now, Jeff currently serves as court administrator of the Maricopa County Justice Courts, a system of 26 community-based courts that addresses over 300,000 cases annually. Jeff knows firsthand what it means to serve and defend our country, uphold the laws, and administer justice, and he cares deeply about our country and our community, and he is seeking election to the Office of Superior Court Clerk in Arizona. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thank you. It's good to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity to to, to both sit down with you and Danny and as well as uh, uh, be able to address your listeners. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I do want to thank you for your service to our great nation. And second, you know, we are talking about uh, this specific job, right? The superior court clerk in a specific state, Arizona. But we have listeners all across the country. And what we always try to impress upon people is what happens in one state happens in every state. And there are definitely uh, comparatives and, and things that reverberate from one state to the next. And so um, I don't want anybody to just check out and say, well, it, that's Arizona. It doesn't matter because I'm in Kansas, right? So uh, some of the service that you have performed has been as a judge. And I, I think it's fair to say that unless people are maybe losing their minds over who's being appointed to the Supreme Court, that most of us are pretty clueless about you know, how do we even evaluate and vote for like local judges. Could you help set, shed some light on what people could do to make informed votes on those kinds of elections? What's important to us? Sure, you bet. And I've, I've uh, traveled around the nation both uh, uh, you know, personally, as well as uh, while I was in the military, and a little bit in my in my current position, attending conferences and networking with other uh, judicial branch officials uh, at the state and local level. Uh, but uh, you know, some 
some judges are appointed and some are elected. Uh, many are elected across the country, uh, which grants the opportunity for voters uh, to, uh, to do some research and learn more about who they're electing. I know most people that do take the time to vote want to, to do some research and know who it is they're voting for. And, and oftentimes there isn't as much interest in judicial elections, a little bit further down the ballot. But there are some things that uh, people can do to uh, learn a little bit more about uh, those whom they are electing in the judicial branch. One thing is most states will have uh, an ethics commission or an ethics board. In Arizona, we have such a thing. And it's where individuals, where, where customers who, who come to the court, litigants, attorneys, um, other judges, you know, can report what they believe is misconduct uh, to a uh, to a third party. So it's like uh, a better business bureau of judges. Precisely, and in Arizona, they actually publish those uh, when when somebody is uh, 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 disciplined for something or admonished for something. You can find those records actually online. Mm. Uh, it's a very transparent uh, process here in Arizona. Another thing too, um, in Arizona, we have something called. Uh, the uh, Judicial Performance Review Program. And, and I think other states may have this as well, but if they don't, I would recommend they look at Arizona and maybe try to do, uh, this is something I'm really proud of. Basically here in Arizona, there is an independent agency at the state level uh, that sends out surveys uh, to people who appeared in court, uh, people who appeared in court uh, as a defendant uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in criminal matters and in civil matters or eviction matters or family matters. Uh, they send them also out to uh, witnesses, to jurors, to attorneys, and actually to other judges. And they ask for feedback or performance review on, on judges. And they, they publish this each election and let you know what the results of that are. Uh, and in Arizona, we also have retention elections for some judicial positions. And it was just, I think, in the last election cycle or the cycle before that, that actually we saw a, a really strong, at least I did when I reviewed it, I saw some, you know, some kind of strong opinions. And for the first time, I think, in uh, Maricopa County, as far as I know, uh, there was a judge that was not retained. It mm. was always kind of a running thing that mm-hmm. judges always got retained. Mm-hmm. And uh, we saw that there were some, it appeared to be some critical reviews. And interestingly enough, a particular judge was not voted for re-election. So, I, I would have to kind of put two and two together to think that voters may have, that may have influenced voters or, mm-hmm. or uh, people actually took a look and pay attention to that. But other things real quick, though, um, you know, aside from those type of tools, and if you don't have those type of tools in your state, if judges are running for election, they'll often do public speaking engagements. And so you have the opportunity to go hear what they have to say about how they feel they're qualified. Uh, campaign websites, most of them are going to have websites. Um, also, too, uh, there, there are things that I felt as a judge myself that, that, uh, that uh, I think are important to look for. You know, somebody who, that you can kind of gather uh, if you have some life experience. Somebody who's patient. Mm. You have a lot of people in court that represent themselves, and it takes patience to deal with that. Uh, you know, somebody who's relatable to different types of communication styles. You can imagine when I was a judge, I was hearing 24,000 cases a year. Oof. People were losing their homes, evictions. They were mm-hmm. accused of, and I was in the lower courts, so it was lower crimes mm-hmm. and lower dollar cases. But still, these were individuals who'd lost their jobs, were facing significant fines, maybe for some traffic tickets for not having insurance or registration. They were in crisis. And to have good communication skills so that people not only is justice served, but people also feel they had their day in court. Mm. Um, And I I think it's important that our judges have good communication skills. And I think something that helped me, to be honest with you, and when people don't look 
for, if they don't understand or don't research the position, sometimes they revert to character. But I will share one thing with you that I, and on this subject, and I'll leave it at that. That is, I think life experience is important. Mm. You know, I can't tell you how often I would see juveniles, you know, I, and, and I think it was helpful for me to, to be a father. Because mm. uh, I knew how, because, you know, when the parents would come up and talk with me, I could understand what they were saying. Now, did that change my decision in the case? Probably not. It's based on the evidence and the law. But I think it's important that judges be good communicators, mm -hmm. they be patient, they mm -hmm. be relatable, uh, especially in an era when most people cannot afford attorneys and they have to represent themselves. Mm. So that's a little bit about things that people can look for and some tools they can do to help them with local elections. That's so well uh, presented and so well said. And what I was thinking about is so often, just even in personal disagreements, it, even if, uh, you know, like being married 30 whatever years we've been married, Dan. Even it that long? I think, yeah. <laughs> even uh, carry the one, yeah, yeah, I think it's, yeah. Um, even if we don't agree, if you feel that I heard you or I feel that you heard me, it makes a huge difference. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about, right? It certainly is. And I'll, I'll give you a quick 20-second example. I'll never forget hearing a relatively simple case. It was a case that was a traffic ticket. And, uh, and the officer testified, and then the other party had an opportunity to testify. And the party wanted to let me know how they felt the officer treated them unfairly mm. and how they, they felt, um, I, I don't know, they, they felt that the officer wasn't professional. Mm -hmm. My job at the time was to determine simply whether or not the person was speeding. Mm -hmm. And I could have said, you know, that's not relevant, let's mm -hmm. stop there. But mm -hmm. I let them talk. I let them say what they wanted to say. It was an informal proceeding. There were no rules in that type of case. Mm -hmm. I let them say what they wanted to say. When they finished, I said, thank you so much. Uh, understand that the officer doesn't work for me. I'm here to determine whether or not you were speeding, but thank you for your testimony. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything to say about the speeding? And they said, oh, no, I was speeding. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but, That's great. But I let the person have, judges, a lot of judges are very passionate about making sure that people feel they have their opportunity to have their day in court, particularly in community courts like the one I've served in. Awesome. Well, as we've mentioned, you are up for election to a position called clerk of the court. So that may be even less on people's radar than a, a judgeship. So tell us about the position why you, and why you're seeking to be elected here in Arizona. Uh, the position is uh, basically oversees the record keeping and, and uh, financial functions of our superior court here in uh, Maricopa County. It's a state court. There's one per county. Uh, and uh, uh, basically I'm running... Uh, I've been in the courts now for 20 years, and I would, I would have to, to say or to summarize that most of my career is focused on change and reform in the courts. Um, you know, in, in government, sometimes we lag in terms of technology compared to the business world. And there are just some common sense things, common sense approaches that I've been able to take in the courts that I've worked in that I'd like to apply in this in this position that I'm running for now, and I'll give you a quick example. If I don't know if you've ever watched TED Talks, there's this thing. Oh, I love them. So so there's this gentleman named Simon Sinek. Yeah. And he wrote a book called Start with Why, mm -hmm. and I'll never forget. Uh, I, I it really it really had a powerful impact on me. Uh, when I first, uh, I'll give you an example. When I came to the position I'm in now. It was reported to me that it was taking about 10 days for prisoners to be seen in low-level cases. I'm talking driving on suspended license and things like that. And jail is very expensive. It's a big portion of the county budget. And so, uh, and I was thinking ten, it would take 10 days for them to be seen after they were initially seen. 
And the reason why was is it took a fleet of vans and a number of officers to get them to our 26 geographically distributed courts in one of the largest counties in the United States. Mm. And so I That's gathered... That's a lot of man hours. Yeah. That's a lot of money. It is. I, and I assembled a team and we got together and we were thinking, why couldn't we apply video technology to kind of this back end of the case, you know, where, where uh, the case gets resolved? Um, and... They said there were certain things that, that, that kept them from doing that. Attorneys wouldn't be able to meet with their clients face-to-face. There were a number of issues. And, but, it, the, but everyone had thought for many, many years that everyone would have to deal with the prisoner by video. And the light bulb came on in our second meeting. You know what we did? We got everybody together at the jail. There's a thought. And then right? we Communicated. have... Communicated. Yeah. Then we have the judges appear by video. And these are low-level cases, again, misdemeanors. Uh, most of them are just involved fines. The only reason why they're in jail is because of there was a warrant. Maybe they mm. couldn't reach them on mm-hmm. the charge or something, uh, or they missed a court date. And so uh, basically uh, we, what we did was is we built a, a court facility, centralized, uh, and now we have court instead of in all of our courts once a week or once every week and a half or so, we, have, we see our prisoners every day. And that has reduced the number of days that people are in jail in justice court cases in Maricopa County by 53%. Wow. Every day a person's in jail, that's $100 a day. Oh, wow. Take it one step further, something exciting. Uh, studies show that if you can reach people ahead of their court date and remind them, there's a 50% greater chance they're going to show up. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be implementing technology that's going to send text messages to people. Mm-hmm. And again, the cost of issuing a warrant is even more than that daily rate. It's hundreds and hundreds of dollars, taking our officers off the road four to five hours at a time every time they arrest somebody. Wow. These type of efforts save money, millions of dollars. They're smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, they help people be successful. If they're in jail on a traffic ticket, they're probably going to lose their job. That's not going to help them pay it. Right. They're going to lose their housing. So these are what I call smart initiatives. That's my approach to government. That is my approach to this position. And that's why I'm running is to take uh, that, lev- that approach uh, to the next level with the Maricopa County Superior Court. That is awesome. And so, you know, the technology is already out there. People are already doing most of their communicating by texting anyway, right? I mean, you can miss a piece of mail. You can definitely miss an email. The text, people usually see. And the whole idea of sort of like a go-to-meeting or Skyping or, or whatever the comparative would be um, that people are familiar with, with the court appearances, that's just brilliant i mean it's one of those things that you look back and you go well duh why why didn't we think of it sooner but thank goodness you've got that going now and i should say i won't be dealing with prisoners as the clerk of the court so the examples are more to kind of demonstrate my approach to Mm -hmm. problem solving Mm -hmm. uh and uh and in arizona we're lucky we do have a good court system very forward thinking but i i do believe there's always room for improvement always absolutely and we're in such a fast paced technological growth and change time in history that uh, to stay on top of those kinds of things is so vital. Well, we are unfortunately out of time, but just before we run away, I want you to tell folks how they can uh, learn more about you, these initiatives that you've done, because other people around the country might be like, this is brilliant. I want to know more about what Arizona is doing or, you know, follow and maybe help your campaign. Sure, I have a, uh, the best way to, to, to learn about my campaign. We have a, a fair amount of information and detail uh, on our website. It is www.findforclerk, but it's F I N E, the number four, 
clerk, so F-I-N-E, for C-L-E-R-K dot com. Uh, and, and probably the thing that is most helpful is for people to, uh, I want them to judge for themselves if I'm the right candidate and, and if, if they would like to help, but I would like them to, uh, you know, to go to the site and determine for themselves. The stories like the ones I shared with you and many others as well as other approaches are listed on my site. And if they are agreeable and align with the values of the voters, I would love to have their support. The thing that would be most helpful would be simply to spread the word. That's fantastic. Jeff Fine, thank you so much, and best of luck in all that you do. I, I, I see your signs everywhere. There's such great energy behind your, your campaign. I, I can't help but believe you're going to win, but no matter what the future holds, I know that you are going to be serving uh, our community, and I just thank you so much for that. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Absolutely. Bye-bye now. All right. Well, stick around because we have Chris Bird waiting on the line. Now, Chris is an author of Surviving a Mass Killer Rampage. When seconds count, police are still minutes away. And thank God I had a gun. Chris recently wrote an op-ed in the Washington Times titled Toward Less Gun Control, Not More. Eliminating gun-free zones is a good place to start. Stick around. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com, or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. 
Well, this show is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Find out more and check out all of the great content at selfdefenseradio.net. Well, our theme today is quite fittingly for our next guest, place the oxygen mask on yourself first. You know, they tell us that when we get on an airplane, but yet if we have an emergency at home, we're told to, you know, just call the police. Well, the police are great, but they can't be everywhere when we need them in the immediacy of uh, an event. So our next guest is Chris Bird. He is the author of Surviving a Mass Killer Rampage, When Seconds Count, The Police Are Still Minutes Away, and Thank God I Had a Gun. Chris recently wrote an op-ed in the Washington Times titled, Toward Less Gun Control, Not More. Eliminating gun-free zones is a good place to start. Well, welcome back to the show, Chris. Well, thank you, Cheryl. Um, I'm having a little difficulty hearing you. Uh-oh. Um, can you crank up the <laughs> the volume at my end at all? Cheryl, put in your mean voice. It goes a little louder. <laughs> I'll lean into the microphone a little bit more. Maybe that will help. Uh, and our uh, studio producer, Ed, is over there fiddling with knobs and stuff. So hopefully, is that any better? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Good, good, good. All right. So we're talking about all of this push for more control on our gun rights. And, and you're taking the exact opposite opinion um, because you believe that gun control may be costing lives. Well, I think so. Um, it, uh, uh, if, if ordinary citizens are prevented from carrying self-defense uh, firearms in various places, then uh, they're the people that are on the spot when these uh, mass shootings take place. And uh, uh, the police uh, are almost always going to uh, arrive too late. I remember uh, Wayne Ivey, the sheriff of Brevard County in uh, Florida, um, telling the Gun Rights Policy Conference that uh, when they get a call for a, an active shooter, uh, we will respond at Mac 2 with our hair on fire, but we will arrive too late. Mm. And uh, so his solution was to teach his residents how to defend themselves um, before uh, law enforcement can get there. And I think... Uh, uh, the smart money, I think, is, is on um, people who are thinking in that way. After the, um, the, oh, what was the name of the one where the two terrorists in oh, uh, San, California? San, San Bernardino. Bernardino. After that, several sheriffs around the country urged their, um, their residents to uh, get qualified to carry concealed handguns and in, in the words of one, please carry. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think uh, uh, the more people, the more honest citizens who are armed, the better. And there is always the uh, uh, law enforcement brings up the point uh, about, well, we won't know who the good guy is and who the bad guy is if everybody's got a gun. <laughs> um, so far, I haven't heard of any incident where um, a, uh, uh, an armed citizen has been shot by mistake. Uh, it could happen, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I don't think it would be 
something uh, that would happen very frequently, and there are things that you can do to prevent that. Absolutely. Uh, one that of them is, is to, training, uh, right? as, as they teach teachers who are going to be armed in Ohio at uh, Tactical Defense Institute, they uh, uh, teach them to find uh, another adult and have him or her stand um, where the law enforcement uh, is likely to come from mm -hmm. uh, when they respond mm -hmm. uh, with their hands up. Mm -hmm. And uh, as soon as they see law enforcement, they describe the, uh, the teacher who has just shot the bad guy and is still keeping him uh, under, um, under the gun, as it sure. were. Um, and, uh, and that way, they kind of uh, would prevent uh, law enforcement from shooting the, uh, uh, the teacher who has just uh, solved the problem. Absolutely. Well, um, here in Arizona, I feel like we are a, a real-time, real-life uh, experiment example of how these things really play out. We have constitutional carry here, which means that you don't have to have a concealed carry license to, to conceal carry a firearm. We can open carry a firearm. And, um, you know, we have uh, places that get held up, and we have bad guys and, and good guys. And we, we would have the example of police shooting the wrong people if that was really the biggest concern. The biggest concern is being able to be your own first uh, immediate responder. Right. Well, well, I uh, I refer to uh, the people who are on the scene, the civilians, as the irregular first responders. <laughs> um, I think uh, uh, the uh, the people who are generally known as the first responders. Uh, don't get there in time, and and this is not a um, a criticism of law enforcement. Um, the first uh, school or school district uh, to arm teachers in Texas was Harold uh, uh, School District, which is way up by the Oklahoma border, and uh, it's 17 miles from the nearest sheriff's office. So uh, you can imagine how long it would take. Um, for uh, sheriff's deputies to respond mm. to uh, way uh, too far a shooting away. that was happening in that school. Yes, that's crazy. Well, I want to I want to jump ahead a little bit um, and talk about. Well, maybe it's jumping be backwards because it is about this Marjorie Stoneman Douglas um, murder murder spree at, at the high school. So the students were actually quite remarkably well organized before that incident even happened, which is um, pretty incredible all by itself. But then they, they very quickly culminated in a, a like-minded idea that the real villain at play here wasn't the guy, wasn't the man who walked into their school and did the wrong thing and ignored every law there was, including that murder is illegal. So he's not the bad guy. He's not who they need to focus their ire on. Somehow it's the NRA. What, how, like, you've studied these things. Uh, you've written a whole book on, on how to survive uh, these mass killings, these mass murders. Um, 
but I don't, what would you say about that part of the aftermath, the emotional, illogical, misguided uh, angst and anger? Well, I think there there is a natural um, reaction to any of these uh, shootings. Anybody who was close to them uh, is is uh, uh, once the uh, the danger has passed, they're going to be angry, and, mm-hmm. and uh, they need something to vent their anger on. And uh, unfortunately, uh, they seem to pick the uh, National Rifle Association. Um, which had absolutely nothing to do uh, with that particular incident or or any others for that matter. Uh, They provide some training um, for kids uh, with the Eddie Eagle program. They provide uh, uh, other training. They have uh, trainers. In fact, I'm an NRA-qualified instructor. Um, but uh, the the problem with that was that very quickly, when uh, some of the students started uh, venting their anger um, at the NRA, I think the uh, um, the movement, as it were, was very quickly hijacked um, by what I call the usual suspects. Mm. Um, I, I believe uh, they received. Uh, large sums of money from uh, people in Hollywood. Um, They also uh, received advice uh, from no less than Planned Parenthood um, and various other organizations because you don't morph a a few um, students, teenage students, into uh, the sort of movement that uh, eventually resulted uh, without uh, quite a lot of advice and assistance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, all the anti-gun organizations, uh, particularly the ones sponsored by uh, uh, Bloomberg, were quick to uh, to jump on this bandwagon. And, uh, yes, let's blame the NRA. Well, and uh, a lot of, uh, or a fair amount of um, businesses that... Uh, did uh, business with the NRA, uh, dropped their, um, uh, I guess, their association mm-hmm. um, with, the, uh, with the organization, which was unfortunate. Um, I think perhaps in time they will maybe come back, but uh, um, it's certainly something that, uh, uh, that I was quite amazed at, um, this this blaming. Uh, th- there was definitely some uh, dropping of the ball um, by the uh, law enforcement community at all levels. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, uh, the, the FBI had um, a, uh, a tip from somebody who knew the shooter and uh, was very concerned. In fact, she got in touch with the FBI so she would have a, quote, clear conscience Mm. uh, if something happened. Mm -hmm. And the FBI just ignored uh, her tip, uh, did absolutely nothing. 
Um, Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI, admitted dropping the ball and said that uh, what should have happened was that tip should have gone to the Miami field office where it should have been investigated. None of that happened. Uh, we also had the uh, uh, the sheriff's office. Uh, they had a school resource officer who, instead of going into the building and uh, trying to stop the shooter, uh, waited outside. Uh, the I think a, a sheriff's captain refused to allow uh, EMTs, uh, EMS, into the building uh, so that they could uh, assist the wounded. Uh, there was a lot of blame to go around, and yet uh, it's preferable, um, in the view of some people, to let's demonize the NRA every chance we can get. And, that, and, uh, and that's the The NRA is, is made up of ordinary citizens. Right. I think there's six million of them now. Um, and uh, like you and me and uh, our, our neighbors, they're just ordinary people who care about gun rights and, uh, and about being able to protect themselves and the ones they love. Absolutely. And so, you know, if, if we, any of us went to a physician who would uh, triage and diagnose and, and set out a course of, of treatment uh, in the way that this thing was done, we would be dealing with somebody that was practicing malpractice because you just listed off multiple opportunities for greater um, training right, for greater coordination of, of um, different uh, entities that, that are closer to the epicenter, um, for maybe listening to people when they, they ring the bell of alarm uh, before these, these people who are unhinged act. There are all these opportunities to really do something that will save lives, and how we react to one event will determine how well prepared we are when the next one happens or to prevent the next one. And when all of this focus is cast on the NRA, which is a membership organization, you're not going to fix anything. That is just pure either politics or um, willful ignorance. And it is frustrating to someone that thinks like you and I do that you have a problem, let's diagnose it, let's triage it, let's find out what we can do to make things better in the future. And uh, there's just so much noise and nonsense going on out there that has so nothing to do with what actually happened and what could be done in the future that it, it's just frustrating. Well, one, one thing that's uh, been happening recently is that uh, uh, I think more and more uh, law enforcement entities are developing training programs. Um, a few nights ago, uh, I went to a two-hour um, presentation put on by the uh, Bear County Sheriff's Office. Uh, Bear County covers San Antonio, which is where I live. Um, and uh, uh, it was generally a fairly good presentation. It was uh, directed primarily at unarmed um, civilians who uh, who might be caught up in something like this. Hmm. But uh, they were talking about uh, um, the uh, um, uh, 
I guess the federal mantra these days is run, hide, fight. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, this, this uh, uh, deputy gave us uh, some, some ideas about, uh, about all of those. Uh, not very much about the armed citizen, which I, I thought was unfortunate. Maybe they should have a different uh, program for them. Um, hmm. but, uh, uh, but more and more entities are either arming teachers, uh, teaching uh, residents uh, what they can do. Uh, because one, one of the things that uh, uh, I guess is, is the most difficult is if you get caught up in something like that, um, you need to have thought through what you're going to do, what's likely to happen. Um, and unfortunately, most people uh, haven't quite got to that stage. But uh, making people aware of what's going on and, and what can go on at your school, at uh, your shopping mall, at, uh, uh, e even at your school board meeting, um, one of the clips that uh, this deputy showed was a school board meeting where uh, a guy who was obviously upset uh, started shooting the school board members. Fortunately, he wasn't a very good shot. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and he was shot by uh, school board security but uh, and, and then committed suicide. Mm. But, hey, uh, hey, Chris, welcome to the show. You know, I, I want to comment on that. You know, it's not like Hollywood. When police respond to a an incident and there's guns involved, they don't go shooting people. They they asset the situation. I, I remember one time I stopped an armed robbery, and I had a really shiny 41 Magnum, and the police came with the helicopters. This was way before cell phones. Police came with helicopters, and there was cars all around, and I had a gun pointed at another person. He was the, the man that was trying to rob another man. And they had no idea what was going on at the time except that there was an armed robbery. And they didn't shoot me. They, they talked me down, made me put the handgun down. And so what I'm saying is when we're caught in an active with a shooter and we stop a crime, doesn't necessarily mean that the police are going to come in blazing. Now, if there's shooting going on, they may. But I don't think they're just going to start attacking people as soon as they walk in the door. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, uh, definitely, um, most law enforcement officers are going to be a little wary before they open up on uh, on on somebody, uh, particularly if there is uh, is any doubt. Um, there was an incident in Central Texas several years ago. Um, a guy called uh, Vic Stacy, uh, and uh, uh, who's generally credited with probably saving the life of the first police officer to attend, and uh, he took a shot at this guy uh, from uh, I pasted out 57 yards. He was using a Colt Python revolver in 357 Magnum. And he hit the guy in the thigh, the guy went down, and then he and the police officer were able to, uh, to kill the guy. Um, when uh, more law enforcement officers arrived, um, you can hear on the dash cam um, video uh, them yelling at uh, Vic 
to drop the gun, put the gun down, drop the gun. And uh, eventually he did, but it took a long time. And one of the things that, that can happen is that if you're involved in a shooting like that, um, various things happen. Uh, you tend to get tunnel vision, but you also get uh, um, what some people refer to as tunnel hearing. Mm. Uh, you don't hear what people are yelling at you. And so whether Vic heard and was just slow to put his gun down, eventually a, a state trooper went over armed with a um, an AK, uh, an AR-15, and uh, and put him on the ground, and uh, and handcuffed him, which is something that you can expect um, until they sort out, you know, who who the good guy is, who the bad guy is. The bad guy in that particular incident was dead, but uh, mm -hmm. um, but uh, as you say, when the police arrive, they don't know what the situation is. But they don't normally come in blazing and just shooting you because you have a gun in your hand either. You know, if you point um, the gun at them. That's or, true. Yeah. Um, but I think the advice uh, from that uh, Deputy Trevino who was talking uh, to us a, a few nights ago was when the police are armed, do not uh, arrive, do not be armed. In other words, put the gun away, put the gun down. Um, because you certainly don't want to take uh, the chance right. of, uh, of being hit. Um, you can uh, uh, take other precautions, I guess, uh, particularly if the guy is no longer a threat, then there's no problem with putting the gun down or putting it on, a, uh, on the hood of a vehicle mm -hmm. uh, or, uh, or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, mostly they're not going to come in uh, shooting uh, at anybody who has a gun, but I really don't want to take that risk. Right. I would prefer to holster my gun uh, just sure. when I can hear the sirens, but I, sure. uh, yeah. but they haven't seen me yet. Yeah, and well, then probably raise my hands. Absolutely. Show them your palms. Police officers are trained to watch the hands because that's what can do them damage. Yeah. Well, we are just about out of time. We've got less than a minute left. Um, so much more to talk about. We'll have to have you back on again. But before we have to run away, Chris Bird, author of multiple books, please talk to us uh, or tell our audience how they can follow the work you do um, and maybe buy your books. Um, yeah, yeah, they can get it from Amazon, um, and I'm also coming out with a, uh, a seventh edition of the Concealed Handgun Manual in the next couple of months, so that will also be available. Mm, excellent. And your website is privateerpublications.com, correct? That's correct. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for all the work that you do, for the research you put into uh, this topic. And uh, we will definitely have you back on again in the future. Um, and I do definitely encourage folks to check out that uh, op-ed that you wrote recently. Uh, it was in the Washington Times. It was titled, yep. Toward Less Gun Control, Not More, Eliminating Gun-Free gun Zones is a Good Place to Start. Thank you, Chris. Well, thank you, Cheryl, for having me. And uh, it was a pleasure.
Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right. Stick around. We still have our responsibly armed citizen report and Dan's culinary. Right after this. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. For straight shooting, look to the biggest little gun shop in the West, azfirearms.com, where they have everything you need to be a safe and responsible gun owner. Huge selection and a friendly and knowledgeable staff. They're my nationwide hometown gun shop, and you should make it yours, too. And when you go, tell them old Don Conyers sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, we... I've come to the end of another show. It goes so quickly. It's amazing. And actually, if you've missed any portion of this show, please go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the On Demand tab, and you can binge listen to your heart's content. All 119 other shows that we have uh, placed there. And if you like to put a face with a voice, please click on the guest tab and you can see pictures and bios and links to all the work that uh, all our different guests have done. Well, this is the time of the show that we bring to you our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report. Fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. Responsibly armed citizens use guns two and a half million times a year for self-defense. And 200,000 times a year, a woman prevents a sexual assault because she was armed. Somehow we never hear these stories on the network news, so we are proud to bring them to you here on Gun Freedom Radio. Well, this week's story is something that could happen to any of us you know you're coming home it's 10 30 at night that's not terribly late right you probably just came from the mall or or maybe you you work a job that runs you a little late possibly you popped out to the the grocery store you come in you step out of your car and the next thing you know 
danger, and his friend are there. One is grabbing for your purse. One is putting a gun to your head. Well, this happened exactly to a young woman in Texas recently. Thankfully, her husband was inside the home. Thankfully, her husband could hear what was happening outside. And thankfully, her husband was able to save her life and most likely his own because he was a responsibly armed citizen. On July 18, 2018, a man heard commotion outside his southeast Houston home and shot the home invader who held his wife at gunpoint. At around 10.30 p.m., his wife had just pulled up to their home, according to KRIV. Two men attacked her as she walked up to their home, the station reported. One went for her purse while the other tried to force her inside the home in the 4300 block of South Acres Drive, KPRC reported. He held a gun to the woman's head while they advanced toward the house. Neither of the alleged thieves knew, though, that the woman's husband was also inside. When he peered out of the home's windows, KTRK reported he saw two men with guns, so he grabbed his own pistol before going outside and confronting the attackers. He exchanged fire with the two men, forcing one of them to run, the station reported. But the one who stayed in the gunfight was holding his wife at gunpoint, so police say the husband aimed for his head. Neither the husband nor the wife who were attacked have been identified by authorities. The husband shot the man who held his wife once in the head, injuring the man critically, but not killing him, according to KHOU. Police found the attacker lying in the couple's driveway. The alleged attacker has not been identified by police either. He remained in a local hospital Wednesday morning after having emergency surgery late Tuesday night, KHOU reported. Police are still looking for the attacker who fled the scene. Wow, so the robber, he was using his head but in the wrong way. Wow, the jokes. Always with the jokes. That's, well, a, that's a groaner. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll call it a dad joke. Totally a dad joke for sure. Well, and just like you were talking with our last guest, you know, the police didn't show up and then shoot the husband, right? Right. The police showed up and they processed the scene. They processed the husband. They took everybody's statement. Um, and if the husband's only course of action had been to call the police and then tell the dispatcher who he is, what the nature of the emergency is, what the address is. I mean, all of these things take time. In the time. meantime, there's a gun to his wife's head, and they're trying to force their way into his home. And then once they're inside, nobody knows what's right. going on. It could go on for hours. So I, I just really wish that people would be more aware of these incidents and more um, in tune with how important it is for us to be our own immediate responder. Right, and I would like to make a comment. You know, when when I talked earlier about me stopping an armed robber, mm -hmm. um, I didn't have the experience that I have now, and I would definitely do it different. Mm -hmm. But when they told me to throw my 41 Magnum on the ground, I had a hard time doing that. Because it was shiny, you it mentioned. Was yeah. <laughs> But but the thing is that I, I did catch that you, you know, mentioned it was shiny, and then you I, didn't tell us why that was important. Yeah, you know, I have learned. You know, you have a cell phone. You could hold the gun at one hand, and you could get on the cell phone, call nine one one, and describe to the police what you're doing at the time. Mm -hmm. um, you may not be able to take the gun off the person because he's still alive, or you know he hasn't been shot. So it's 
now we have ways to communicate or you have somebody with you communicate that uh, like Chris said but um, it's it's important to think about stuff before you do it and after you do it mm -hmm. I mean you, you need to set your train yourself to think about okay what if I come home and there's something going on in my house mm -hmm. well what do you do and then where do you go and you know, when you lock your door to your store, when you're leaving the door, do you use your shooting arm to do that hand? Or do you use the other hand because you need your strong hand to have near your gun mm -hmm. because you're walking out into a dangerous place? Mm -hmm. So these are all things to think about. Training, discussions, all this stuff will help improve that. Absolutely. Situational awareness. I think, what if he'd had the TV up so loud that he couldn't hear? What if he right. was tapped into his gaming with his headphones on or right. I mean, there's so many ways this could have gone so much differently and and I, I just loved how it tied into our theme today of put the oxygen mask on yourself first and he was able to right. do that for himself and his wife and then the, you know uh, enable the police to come in and put a bad guy in jail or the hospital and the husband <laughs> so. was absolutely using his head ah nice all right it is now time for Dan's commentary. Um. <laughs> the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. This is a public service announcement brought to you by your local shooting range. Summer is here. For those who like to go out in the desert or forest and shoot, please be a responsible gun owner, and remember, every day, is it, it's dry out there you know that oh, the, the right. grass or the the pine needles it's all it's it all really dry fire season is that what you're getting extremely at? high especially in the southwest area of the country maybe it's time to get acquainted with your local range you know they they are a little more organized but you know there's advantages with going to the local range one of the things i like the best about local ranges is I can show my toys to other people. You get to meet people. You get to have a lot of fun. It's a social you talk, event. And you get to see a lot of stuff. And hey, who knows? They might let you shoot some of it. Mm -hmm. So get acquainted with your range. And so check out your local range website for more information. Many are open early to beat the heat. So just be responsible and have fun. Hey! That was very calm. It was calm today. It's been a good, rough week. <laughs> good, though. It's been good. A lot of exciting things happened. You know, the store's doing great. Buying a ton of guns. Things yeah. are really, we're really blessed there. At AZ Firearms? Oh, AZ, we are just buying a lot of guns. A what lot do you of, think that's about? Um, you know, school starting. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. People need money for vacation. Mm -hmm. But the cool thing is, you know, they come and sell us a gun, and then when they get you know, back on their feet or mm -hmm. get their projects taken care of, they can come back in and we're going to take care of them and help them get another gun. Absolutely. So it's upgrading. It's changing. It's, some people can't have every gun. Mm -hmm. I've been trying, but it doesn't work. <laughs> so sometimes you have to let something go. Sure. To get something new. But, you know, there's also been a lot of exciting news. This 3D printing thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I am so glad that they've got that, that uh, resolved. And uh, is Cody, the guy that was uh, that invented this 3D printing thing? He, um, you know, he went through a lot of bad times. Uh, he was uh, charged with all kinds of things. Had to go to court, and um, it's they nice finally. When when it turns out, Cody Wilson's who you're talking yeah. about, um, Ghost Gunner, and uh, it, it's kind of nice when 
you know, he's got people that rally around him, helped him out, and, uh, and stood, he won. Up, stood up against the Department of Justice, and they they settled with him, and they um, not only agreed with uh, his complaint, but they also refunded like forty thousand dollars of his legal fees. And so. who beats the Department of? The Second Amendment Foundation, I know, the SAF.org, I know, was very instrumental in that. So that's a, that's an organization you want to support. But right now, we've got to wrap up. What? Yeah, I know. It's, no, it's not time. It well, is. I want to thank our tech crew, our listeners, our guests. I want to encourage you to continue the conversation in your homes, in your cars, in your carpools, online. We are listening. So do definitely uh, email us and, and message us on Facebook. And until next time. Pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. All of them? All of them, Dad. Even mm. the ones you don't like. Especially I, the ones you don't like. Can we talk about that one? <laughs> Pray harder for that one. Be good to each other. Have a great week. And God bless. Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advance beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey gang, this is Masad Ayub from the Pro Arms Podcast. I'm here to remind you that our podcast is a member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. And I'm going to suggest you do what we do and check out the other podcasts at selfdefenseradio.net.